humans come out of vaginas. That is the source. That is, that's the tunnel. You know, I, I don't take this shit lightly, man. I just don't. Welcome to What's Underneath, the podcast that will inspire you to accept the skin you're in and step into your most whole, powerful self. I'm Lily Mandelbaum, and sitting next to me is my mom, Elisa Goodkind, and we are the creators of Style Like You. In our podcast, we bring you the extended interviews from our video series, The What's Underneath Project, in which diverse role models strip down to open up and claim the power of the skin they're in. The first step to self-acceptance is being radically honest about the things you're ashamed of, And by listening to these stories, you are tapping into the healing power of vulnerability, truth sharing, and the unshakable bravery to be yourself. You're giving yourself permission to recognize that you are completely beautiful and enough as you are. Hi, Mom. Hey, Lils. How are you doing? I'm all right. How are you? Good. It's late, as usual for us. We've just been talking about how we literally no longer can have any sort of plan in an evening that we're just pretty much working round the clock. Not that we're promoting that at all. It's not something we're proud of, but I don't know if that's just like a pandemic thing or that's just an us thing, but it feels like harder than ever, like to separate work from life and like just have boundaries in that way because you're not really like going anywhere after working that normally you would, you know? I know it's hard to tell whether sometimes I just wonder that whether we're just working much harder than we ever used to or whether it's just a different rhythm somehow for, for everything that you just said. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm, I, I have a feeling a lot of people probably feel the same way. Like there just isn't the separation. It's going to be interesting to see how that shifts and evolves as, as we move out of this period. Exactly. Exactly. I was just about to say that it's, it's going to be, you know, part of the whole adjustment is readjusting to those boundaries in the day that we used to have that we don't, that we haven't had in a year. It sounds really like strange. I'm going to, it's going to take a minute. It definitely is. I'm, I'm just so used to just getting up in the morning and not leaving my house and working forever and doing the same thing the next day. Yeah, and like my big my big moment that's like exciting is going like on a walk around the block and like taking a bath. I'm like, oh boy. Exactly. The the things that we have found that we have created to have those different sort of breaks are fascinating. The bathtub has replaced, you know, Korean spa. I used to go floating at this place in a flotation tank. It's it's thank God for that bathtub with the with the magnesium salts. Major. I put I just put that on my hinge profile actually. Yeah, I'm gonna take a bath right when we're done with this. Um, so part of the reason we have so much trouble stopping working is because we're so inspired and obsessed with these people we're interviewing and perfecting their videos and perfecting their podcasts and and it's just actually such a joy that it's hard to even consider it work sometimes. But we're really, really excited about the video and podcast that we're releasing this week with the founder of the amazing honeypot company, B. Dixon, which is an incredible company that makes products, clean, efficacious products for vaginas and vulvas. And I think one of their slogans is that it's for all humans with vaginas, so they do not gender their brand at all, because obviously there are some trans men that have vaginas as well, and gender nonconforming people that have vaginas. And we really appreciate that that's the way that they treat their products and market their products and they also are just very like shame busting in general when it comes to all things related to the vagina and we love that about them 
This is not a sponsored episode of the Honey Pot Company, but they happen to be one of our sponsors at the moment of our Black Voices series. And we're really, really grateful for, and we're so happy we found a brand like them that we're so genuinely inspired by and feel so genuinely aligns with our mission. And it's just so badass in every way. And it makes sense because the founder of the company is B. Dixon, who we interviewed. And she, do you want to share a little bit about why you love B. Mom? Oh, well, she just is such an expander and role model for Lily and I in terms of having her own business, but at the same time being, as she says, completely passionate about her life in terms of doing things her own way and not losing herself or her center or her well-being in the middle of it all and how everything emanates from that. And that has just been a humongous struggle for me personally uh and me. you know through all through all of style like you i have been learning more and more and more how to maintain that balance and to just trust that things are just better when you're coming from your whole and balanced and centered and self-loving place and not from a place of fear and running on fumes it's not that you're not as we were just saying earlier in the introduction it's not that you're not working a lot it's just that you're working you know from a place of love and like spiritual alignment and making sure you're you're well mentally physically spiritually as you're doing it and that being a priority that's like a big focus of the journey that B has gone on with herself because she didn't always used to be that way one of the things that I think creates her to be like the most well and the thing that I'm so deeply deeply inspired by about her is that she literally doesn't care what people think about her like it's not just a thing she says like oh I don't give a fuck what people think about me but actually most people don't really mean that when they say that but B you really feel like she lives that way like she does not bother herself with the opinions of others she just knows who she is and knows her own integrity and doesn't waver from that based on needing everyone to like her or people pleasing everyone around her which is a really big struggle of mine and something that I work so hard on. So being in her presence and having the chance to edit this over the last few months has been so expansive for me and and helpful. I I literally want to like watch it every single morning before I (laughs) go about my day because she she just, it feels like an infusion of empowerment and a reminder of how magnetic and powerful someone can be when they function in that way. Um, and it's not to say that she doesn't care about other people. It's it's the opposite. It's just that she doesn't waver and she she has this really strong backbone and she, she knows who she is and she doesn't let every single person's opinion of her make her doubt or second guess or change who she is. And it inspires me because I don't think that you can be like big in the world and, and your biggest self when you are constantly catering to needing everyone to like you. I think that's, I know, has kept me feeling really small at times because I'm really suppressing parts of myself in order to caretake and tend to everyone else's needs. And that never works. So I really, you know, I want to be the biggest version of myself that I can be. And I know that mastering the art that B seems to have mastered is going to be a big ingredient in that it's actually part of self-care it goes back to everything that we were saying you know self-care isn't just a you know taking baths actually you know and meditating and she she talks about that but what what all roads lead to at the end of the day whether you meditate or not lead to you not betraying yourself and you living in a way where you're really honoring your life force um, and your life. She talks about how life is her passion. It's a beautiful power. It's a healthy power. It's a balanced power. It's a, you know, that, that's really the ultimate self-care is to really know, know this truth. 
you know, the power of the love that you have inside of yourself, which is to me your life force, the creation of you holding on to yourself and, and knowing who you are and, and functioning in the most magnetic way. We can go on and on. We drove from New York to Atlanta for this shoot because we were that excited to meet B. We didn't want to have to quarantine again for two weeks in Atlanta, so we took a two-day road trip from New York to Atlanta, which was quite an, a unique experience for us, especially during the pandemic because we hadn't, you know, you, you, we hadn't left our little bubble in LA until we went to New York to shoot, and then leaving New York and driving to Atlanta, we saw just how different parts of the country are functioning during this time, and that was eye-opening. We could go on and on about what inspires us about B, but I think you should just listen for yourself, right, Mom? Absolutely. I think it'll be the medicine that you need. As I call them, each little myth, each podcast, each story, each video is like a myth. This is how we heal each other is listening to each other's stories and discovering the mythology that we each have within us to heal each other. So I no doubt feel that you'll feel that this is the medicine you need because it's the medicine that we need. And we are all, we are all connected. So we hope... Uh, We'd love to hear from you about it. We, we would love to connect with you. And it means so much for us to be able to share these stories with you. So without further ado, we hope you enjoy this episode and we'll see you next week. Yes, see you next week with more, more goodies and sending lots of love to you all. So can you just start by talking a little bit about how you're feeling right now? I feel calm and I feel like I'm coming off of just trying to get here, you know, because I was rushing and I, I just flew in and I needed to get myself together and I, and I respect other people's time. And so I was a little bit stressed, but now that I'm here, I feel relaxed. So can you just talk about what your style says about you? My style is free. Uh, it sounds cliche, but it is a bit bohemian. I like color. I like I like to represent my spirituality. I like to represent, you know, the different stones that I like to wear. Um, I have a lot of tattoos in very noticeable places because that's a part of my style too, I guess. But yeah, but my style is free and it's calm and it's comfortable just because I just want to be comfortable in my life at all times, you know? Have you always been this way? Like, have you always connected your inner expression to your outer expression? No, I haven't always been as in tune as I am right now, you know? But I worked really hard and I work hard to keep my alignment and to keep my presence and to always be living with the intention of exactly how I want to live, you know? So I, th I think within the past couple of years is when I've really stepped into my skin. Are there certain things that you do for yourself that help you to tune in? <laughs> I just want to be tuned in. I see everything as a meditation. So my, my form of meditation isn't necessarily sitting down in lotus pose and, and you know, putting on, you know, listening to a gong. I do that sometimes, but for me, this is a form of meditation, right? When I'm driving, that's a form of meditation. When I'm eating, when I'm, when I'm just sitting here, when I'm thinking, you know, just because I'm always here. Oh yeah, that feeds your life force basically. Yeah, yeah, I don't do anything that doesn't feed my life force. Because if, I'm, if I do it and I'm, and, and I'm not, my spirit isn't aligned to it, I'm not gonna do it well. 
And I just don't like to do things that I don't do well, right? Like, like I have to fully be there. Me being passionate about the things that I involve myself in um, is extremely important to me, you know? That doesn't mean that every single thing that I do has passion in it. Um, but in one way or another, I'm choosing to do it. I went through a lot, you know, I, I, I went through this moment in my life where I was not happy. I did not like myself. Um, the relationship that I was in did not serve me. Um, I was reactive. I was defensive. Um, I projected a lot. I expected a lot. I went to the doctor. The doctor told me that my thyroid gland was a little bit elevated. And I went and told my mom, because my mom had went to the doctor with me, but she was just sitting out in the car. So when I got in the car, and went to go talk to her about what was going on, you know? She just looked at me and was like, oh, then that means that's not your thyroid gland. Like, there's nothing wrong with your thyroid gland. You're just not living the way that you want to live. Wow. You're living a lie right now, right? And so she, <laughs> you know, we had a really long conversation. Basically, what she told me was, uh, you're going to die one day, right? In any moment that you're not living precisely how you want to live, you're wasting your time. And around the same time, soon after that, my brother had introduced me to stoicism. And one of the tenets of stoicism is understanding your mortality, right? Um, understanding what you can control and what you can't, right? And then dying to whatever you can, right? And so a few weeks went by after both of these things happened. They happened within like a week or two of each other. And I just couldn't stop thinking about that. You know, I, when I was living in my life and it just didn't feel right, it didn't look how I wanted it to look. There was, it wasn't that my partner was a terrible partner. I mean, we weren't good together, right? But it was like, why am I doing this? This is crazy, right? And that it wasn't about him, it was about me. It just felt silly that, I'm doing all these things that I'm doing because I'm serving something that's not myself. And that felt like a waste of time because any moment now, like I'm dead already. That shit just blew my mind. It was the realest thing that anybody had ever said to me. And it just clicked. And when it clicked, it's like a light bulb turned on. And I just went on this complete 180 and everything that I wanted to do or didn't want to do, I just started to just change it, you know? Um, and I just got very actionable about my life because this is my life. This is not a game for me, you know? Um, and so, you know, within the last couple of years is, is when all of this has really set and hit home because I work all day in curating my life precisely how I want it to be. I don't really have time outside of work, my boyfriend, my family, a couple of, a small group of friends, right? Um, and myself, which is the most important out of everything that I just said. There, is, there just isn't enough time for me to not put my focus and intention on that, you know, because I want to enjoy this skin while I have it. Can you can you talk a little bit about the assumptions that you think people make about you based on your appearance? I give no attention to the assumptions people make about me, so I have no idea on how to even answer that question. 
because I don't even think about it. I am creating my experience on this planet. What somebody else thinks of that is their complete opinion. It has nothing to do with me. <laughs> you know what I mean? The only thing that has to do with me is this, is this experience that I'm creating. This is coming purely from a place of, I know who I am, I care about myself, I am my best friend and I love myself. Because you're still over there having your experience, living with your ego, living with your humility, living with your opinions, which are completely yours, right? Um, even if you thought I was the scum of the earth, that's fine. Are there tools that help you get there? Yeah, I mean, I think um, one of the books that really blew my mind was The Four Agreements. What that book really taught me to understand is the agreements that I'm continuously making, consciously and unconsciously, right? The agreement of, of uh, nothing's personal. One of my investors, we were doing a retreat one year. One of the principles that he said is that what you have to pay attention to when you're doing business but for me, when he said it, I took it to be for my life, is that everything communicates. I just hear stuff like that and um, or or knowing learning how to die and all those things. I hear things like that. And those are the things that stick with me. Those are the things that condition me. And so when I think about that, I have an awareness to paying attention to how my reactions communicate right? Or how other people are communicating with me without saying what it, what it is that they're trying to say. So I think for me, that's one, that's one thing. Or even with when I'm having a day where I'm unhappy, I don't want to necessarily figure out why I'm happy or why I'm sad, right? But especially when I'm sad, I want to bring an awareness to the moment. Am I actually okay? Do I have food? Do I have water? Do I have clothes? I have a roof over my head. Right. In this moment, can I really change anything that I that I'm thinking is making me feel this way? So I try to go back to basics when I get in moments where I'm not being present or where I'm being neurotic or I'm being in my head. I did have a period of time where um, where I did meditate almost every day, like actually sat down and did gong meditation. I think that that helped me to tune in. Because Osho is one of my teachers, he said he said something in one of his talks, and it really, again, it stuck with me, is that a practice thing isn't necessarily a thing that you're doing, right? You're either doing it or you're not. And, and when I heard that, um, what I took from it was everything that I do can really be what I'm, what I'm calling this meditation. And then... There's having a profound respect for, for the ego, for the humility, for what's happening when somebody is projecting or if I'm projecting or expecting or anything like that. I have a really profound respect for what's actually happening under there that, that isn't being said. And I pay attention to that, you know? And then I try to, if it was me that was doing the projecting or who, who was vomiting my ego all over somebody, right? I'm the person, I wanna go back and I wanna acknowledge that because I don't wanna feel bad for it. So I don't repress it. So I might come to you and say, hey, you know what? That wasn't your shit, that was mine, right? And I'm sorry, you know what I mean? Like I don't repress shit. If I wanna do it, if I wanna eat it, 
if I want to go somewhere, if I want to put some clothes on, if <laughs> whatever it is, right? Whatever it is I want to do and it's in me, I'm not going to keep it there. I'm going to just get that shit out. If I want to say it, I'm going to just say that shit. If I, whatever it is, bad or good, I just have to release it, you know? But that, that shit isn't easy to do though. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to say all these things to make it sound like it's some easy shit to do. Right. It takes work to, yeah. to, to, to do that, you know? And it does not happen overnight. And, and you definitely backslide, right? And, um, you know, and, and I don't really need to be perfect because that shit doesn't exist, you right. know? Right. You know, so that's the other thing. I die to perfection and, uh, and, and failure happens. It's inevitable, right? So, you know, I guess those are just some of the tenets that I use to keep me in alignment and paying attention. Those are the things that work for me. So basically it's acceptance of your humanity. So I think if we could just accept our whole selves and not feel that any part of ourselves are wrong, that we wouldn't have the level of mental illness that comes from repression. Repression and, um, and fear. Those two things lead to so many other illnesses. They lead to the illness of racism. They lead to the illness of sexism because all that shit's illness. If you feel as a human that you're better than somebody else or, or, like, or like Angela Davis said, somebody has to be on their knees in order for you to feel happy and strong, that, you're fucking sick, man. When you don't recognize that feeling good about yourself is something that is inside of you, that you're born with and that you just unlearn over time, when you don't have that awareness, then you feel you have to put other people down in order to feel good about yourself. You feel that you're only feeling whole uh, based on something that's measured outside of yourself rather than understanding that you really have that sense of completion already inside of you. I feel like that should be a mental illness, right? There, there is something that is not right. There is something that is not triggering, right? Something that is not fucking sparking if you feel like you gotta belittle somebody or beat somebody or lock somebody up or race, which is also a construction, right? Yes. Um, which all of this shit is, you know? We live in a world, it's beautiful, it's fantastic what humans can do, right? But what we have to understand is all of this shit is made up. We made all these rules. We made all these spiritualities, we made all of these religions, we made all of these races, we made all of these classes, we made all of these sexual identities, and it's cool, but I just, I just think that if we all could just lift our vibration just a little bit and free ourselves up, you know, a lot of the things that keep us down, you know, we would see that it's really not that bad. And, and, from, and it comes from the most beautiful place because when, you, when you're serving yourself, you're really serving everybody else too, you know? When you're loving yourself, you're actually loving everybody else, you know? When you're caring for yourself, you're caring for humanity because then you know how to do it. So then it's easy for you to do it, you know? But when you don't know how to do it, that's when shit starts getting weird, you know? That's when you start fucking your kids up and doing all that kind of stuff. And look, 
that's all a part of the journey too. Nobody's taught anybody how to do any of this, right? Who's to say that my way is the way? This is just the way that works for me. We all should do better just to worry about ourselves. Look, we've got these really beautiful plants in the room. These plants are just being fucking plants. And I think that we could learn something. You think that the palm tree is saying to the oak tree, I'm an I'm a oak tree and I'm better? No. Every, we're all a part of this ecosystem. The things that we, that we align um, and give so much power to, most of that shit isn't even the real shit. It's not even organic to this planet. In order for me to be in alignment, I really truly have to learn how to just be here and exist. So, so can you just share a little bit more about what was going on in your life? Like, give us a little bit more context on the period in your life, like pre, pre-awakening, pre-transition into everything that we've just talked about. Like, I guess, like what was going on before you started your company and what was happening and why, why were you struggling? I mean, it was, it was all a part of the process, right? Can't really have an appreciation um, for, the, for, for, for not being in a place of struggle if you haven't struggled, right? In my mind, it's important to understand both sides of the grass so you can respect the side that you actually want to be on. But I was doing a lot. We, meaning me and my team, my co-founders, we were launching Honey Pot. We started, me and Simon technically started Honey Pot in 2011, 2000, late 2011, early 2012. That's when everything happened with my vagina. Yeah, so can you back up a little bit? Yeah, so beginning of 2011, going into 2012, I was suffering with a reoccurring bacterial vaginosis infection that I could not get rid of. It would like every time I would get, I would get my period and then I would get the infection straight away, right? I would take the medicine, it would go away, but then the same thing would happen the next month. And, um, I went through that for like a year. That year I was just, you know, I was working at Whole Foods. I was cleaning people's houses. I realized that I didn't want to do that full time because I didn't make money unless I was cleaning somebody's house. So I had just realized around that time frame that, I, that I'm gonna stop doing this cleaning because this isn't really doing anything for me. I was making decent money but again, I wasn't making it unless I was out working and, and busting my ass, you know? So so was it your own business? It was my own business. Yeah, I had a business with my, um, my, my childhood friend that I grew up with, Tasha. So I decided I didn't want to do that anymore. And then I went and got a job at Whole Foods. Before that, I was in pharmacy for almost 10 years. I decided I didn't want to do that anymore, which is why I went into cleaning. Because I, I had people that wanted to get their house clean and I'm a really good cleaner and organizer. So it just made sense. So I did that. How did you get into the pharmacy thing? Like, were you, were you like into science or? No, I started, I, I did, I started in pharmacy, um, right out of high school. My mom worked at Cigna healthcare and, um, and, and she was able to get me a job. They had like a retail pharmacy. And so I just started working at their retail pharmacy. Growing up, how I grew up, it was like you go to school, you get a job. If you don't get a job, then you go back to college, right? Meaning, meaning how you grew up college, like college wasn't the next assumed thing after, 
after high school? It could have been if I chose for it to be, but my mother wasn't. My mother wasn't beating me over the head with, you got to go to college, you got to go to college. You know what I mean? But it was like, bitch, if you don't go to college, you're going to have to get a job. But my mother, I had already been working since I was 14 years old, right? Because I wanted to do things. I wanted to do extracurricular things. And my mother, you know, she didn't have the money for that. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it was like, if that's what you want to do, that's fine, baby. But you're going to have to figure it out because we're surviving right now, right? Um, so my mother really taught me how to look after myself when she did that, because I never, what she did is she, she started to build the muscle of me not expecting anybody to do anything for me, even when I'm only 14, 15 years old. So I got a job at McDonald's when I was 14 going on 15. But the cool thing is that that time in my life is what prepared me for being able, when my grandmother, when you when we fast forward the story, and I'm having this bacterial vaginosis infection for a year, right? Um, that part of my life prepared me, so which is what my grandmother had to know, because basically what happened is I had the bacterial vaginosis for a year. I couldn't get rid of it. So one morning, I had a very vivid dream with my grandmother. And in the dream, she told me that she had been walking with me and seeing me struggle with this. You know, my grandmother died when my mother was young, so I've never even met her. But she told me she had been watching me struggle with this, with BV. And she handed me a piece of paper, and on the paper was a list of ingredients. And that's what she told me was gonna solve my problem. But the crazy thing is that all of those years in pharmacy, is what made it so that my grandmother could hand me a piece of paper, I could memorize the ingredients, and then I would be able to then put one and two together to figure out how to create a formula to make this product, right? And this product, can you explain a little bit about what it is exactly? Our, the, the product that I'm talking about is our normal feminine wash. And yeah, can you just explain for people that don't know like what you do and, and how the company came to be? And yeah, just like that you have a company. So I'm the co-founder and CEO of the Honeypot Company. Um, and the Honeypot Company is literally a vagina company. That's what we do. We do vaginas very well, you know? We make really efficacious, beautiful, clean, effective products um, for vulvas, for vaginas, you know, for the whole thing. So you cured your own illness. I cured what I had. I cured what I had going on. So what, what happened is I made the product and a few days later I started, you know, I started using it and like four or five days after using it because I was having a bacterial vaginosis infection at the time. Um, everything that I was dealing with went away. I can't say that Honeypot's going to do that for anybody else. That's just what it did for me. So the ingredients came from a message from, from your grandma in, in a dream. My knowledge, the knowledge of how to do it, when, the fact that she had, that she handed me this paper and told me to memorize what was on the paper. In my dream, when I woke up, I woke up saying those ingredients, right? So when I woke up, I had a book by my bed. I wrote it down. I made it within a couple of days. Reason why I knew how to make it is because I had all that time in pharmacy. Had you ever had that kind of connection to people in your dreams before, or was that kind of a first? I've never had a connection that was as clear as that. I have met with my ancestors in my dreams. My ancestors are very much a part of my life. There's, you know, there's not a week that goes by 
<laughs> that I'm not, um, or even a day, frankly, that I'm not saying their names. Um, this asset has taught me a life, a lot about life. It's taught me a lot about myself. It's taught me a lot about how I believe in myself and how I must believe in myself, right? Um, you know, and I believe that all of that is through the power of my ancestors. Like I couldn't even, do, I don't even think none of this would even happen. I mean, literally a dead person told me what to do and the shit worked, right? So, so yeah, can you keep going and like talk about, um, well, yeah, you were kind of like, you were getting to the point where you were kind of leading up to where you were a few years ago and, and when you were struggling and yeah, all of that. Yeah, yeah. And, um, but at that time, when we had started Honeypot, I was working a 60 to 70 hour a week job that required me to travel on top of doing Honeypot, right? So Honeypot was off the ground. All the way really until 2000, early 2018, I was working jobs on top of work, on top of business. So was it, was it just you and your brother for a, for a while? Uh, it, was, it was me, Simon, um, my brother, Antoine, Linda, um, it was really us four. There was other people that kind of sprinkled in and out, right? It, but, but mostly it was us four that were really in it and doing it. And everybody kind of had their job to do, you know, but everybody was doing a little bit of everything. We were getting into Target and that was the hardest time because I had never, we had never raised money before properly, you know? Uh, we had never gotten into a, ma a volume retailer, a mass market retailer. Uh, we had never talked to contract manufacturers. We had never, we had, we had worked with the supply chain, but we were in charge of the supply chain because we made everything, right? And then we wholesold with a couple of other brands on our website, but it wasn't massive. So there was just a lot of firsts happening. Um, and then there was like a deadline. Like we had to meet that deadline, you know? And that was getting into Target. That was a hard year because I was the ex-husband. I was working on um, bringing him here from another country. So I was working on immigration. I was, I was raising money. Um, I was working this job. We were pitching investors on the go and in person. And I had to perform to get into Target. We had to meet the order, but also I had to make them feel comfortable that I knew and my team knew what we were doing, right? Even though they knew and we knew, we didn't know what the fuck we were doing. The point was, is we were committed to knowing, right? And that's what the, that's where, that's where the special stuff is, is your commitment to knowing. Your commitment to, I cannot fail. Like, even if there's failure that happens, we got to fail fast and then get back on the, get back on the train, right? So that was a moment in my life that I was very desperate, that I was willing to do anything for my business because it required that kind of um, energy, the willing to do anything, and I mean anything to make it happen. Burnout, complete burnout. And so, so naturally, I wasn't happy. Naturally, I wasn't eating well. Naturally, um, I wasn't loving my partner well. I wasn't loving myself well. I wasn't, um, I don't think I was treating people well. Um, how could I though? You know, 
um, I was in this desperate place in my life. You know what I mean? And just trying to figure out my way. Did you feel like it was kind of like a moment for you to propel out of something? There's no fucking plan B, right? So this shit gotta work. I gotta retire off of this shit. It's like your dream stepped you into your calling. The crazy thing is that every single thing that I have done professionally has prepared me for the moment that I'm in now. Everything. I worked in pharmacy that taught me how to make things. I cleaned houses that taught me how to be an entrepreneur. I worked at Whole Foods that taught me how to serve a customer. I became a broker, which is the, which I was a natural food broker representing brands that taught me how to talk to a buyer, right? I worked at a, I, I was an area sales manager for a startup called Rhythm Superfoods that taught me how to work for a startup, right? That taught me how to, how to be amongst people and be an entrepreneur because when you're working for a startup, you're a fucking entrepreneur too. All those cards that have been dealt to me, it for me, it requires a respect for that shit, right? Um, I, I have a profound respect for the way that my life has shaken out. None of it has been on accident. If I don't treat this with the right respect, with the right humility, with the right faith, if I don't give this shit the, the shit that it deserves, right? That, that will be the moment that things can crumble, right? Where my head is at and where my spirit is at and where my alignment is at with my, with my company, right? There just isn't much that can shake me because I know, like I know, like I know, right? That I gotta get this shit done. I gotta do it, right? And so, um, you know, that, that's why I said, this is, this is like a religion for me. I make products for people's vaginas. If I don't do that shit with the right intention, right? I feel like I'm fucking up. I have to have a respect and a love for this. It used to be when I made Honey Pot, if I was having a bad day, I didn't touch it. Meaning when I used to physically make things. If I was in a bad mood, if I was having a bad day, I did not. I did not touch it, right? So now I'm not in control like that anymore. I can't, it, it's impossible for me to, to touch my products when they're coming off of the manufacturing line, right? Um, but so now my, my version of that, that I can control at this point in my life is the respect that I have for the business that, 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 that feeds me and that feeds humans with vaginas. This has to come from a really beautiful place because it's touching so many people in such a sensitive place. If there was no vagina, like the planet wouldn't be here. That's some profound shit. You understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Humans come out of vaginas. I believe that everything and everybody is God. But if that isn't the best fucking example, you know? So, for me, I have, which is another reason why this is kind of a religion to me, is because that is the source. That is, that is the, that's the tunnel <laughs> that, 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 that in order to bring a, a, a human, an animal or whatever into the planet, 
you know, I, I don't take this shit lightly, man. I just don't. The vagina just has its own ecosystem, its own immune system, um, its own pH balance, its own, it's, it's, just, it's just beautiful, you know? And, you know, I'm, I'm so incredibly grateful that I get to be a human that can contribute to society in such a way. Hi, everyone. We hope you're enjoying this episode so far. We wanted to take a quick moment to remind you that if you're moved by what you're hearing, you can watch the video version of this interview by subscribing to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash you. That's youtube.com slash S-T-Y-L-E-L-I-K-E-U. Now back to the episode. I don't know if there's anything that you want to say about this um, at this moment, but I've seen you talk in other interviews about raising money as a black woman. And I'm just curious if there's anything you'd want to say about that. Raising money for anybody is hard. Anybody. I don't care who you are. A man, uh, a white man, it might be a little less harder for them, um, even just for men in general. So raising money is difficult all within itself. What I seek to do is to spend less time putting energy and feeding the beast of the fact that there is such a disparity when you think about being a black founder and then being a black woman founder and raising capital. Um, because I think that we're in a time where, where those things are shifting and changing. The, the thing is though, is being a part of that community because this, this is a time where there is a lot of money that is being opened up and a lot of funds that are being created, you know, we have to really make good with this opportunity. It was hard for me and Simon to raise capital, but I'm grateful for how hard it was. Because had it been easy, we probably would have raised too much money and we wouldn't have learned how to build a lean business and we wouldn't have learned how to be nimble the way that we've had to learn. I think we would do better to, to, not, to not bring up our color in these conversations, right? I think we would do better to say, look, I'm a fucking business owner. My skin doesn't even matter. All that matters is that this fucking money is coming in, right? And that these products are flying off the shelf. And that one day I'm gonna exit this business for, for an absurd amount of money. That's what matters. My skin and my, and my vagina should not matter, you know? So I'm, I'm hoping that there's a new age coming in where, where we as black women understand that. Because if we stop putting so much attention on it, the world will stop putting so much attention on it, right? And if we don't give any fucks about what our skin color is and what our sexuality is, and all that we do is just put our head down and get this fucking money, right? And raise this money and scale these businesses and exit them. And if we want to start another business and do the same thing all over again, if we put our head there, they'd be fuck. It would be raining money. So that's really how we, how I think we have to lift our vibration, and it's happening, right? So the, yeah, this all started with us asking you about like where you were at a few years ago, and um, like the moment where you were feeling really burnt out and having like then kind of an awakening. And I'm just wondering if um, maybe there was like a low moment in that journey or. Um, maybe just a moment that kind of turned everything around? I think the, the two, two low moments where I was in the car, the company that I was working for, I was about to get, I was moving to a new job, which was the transition that I made from being a food broker to being an area sales manager. 
my best friend, Indra, I had, she was my replacement for the, for the brokerage company. We were driving home from Nashville, I think. And I think I had an argument with the ex-husband. I had just heard back from an investor that they were going to pass because they didn't understand the business, they said. And this would have been a sizable investment. It would have been like $150,000 or something like that. I, I, I think I had like a little baby nervous breakdown, like in the car, like we had to pull over and I had to like get out and like breathe because I was having a panic attack. It was bad. I think that was my lowest moment then. The, th the thing to understand here is it's kind of like that example that I made earlier. Like when we look outside this window, there's no leaves on that tree because those tree, those leaves had to die. So these moments that we have burnout is our version of, of those leaves fucking dying, you know, so we can go through a hibernation and hopefully come out on the other side with, with a little ease and a little more acceptance and a little more understanding that control doesn't exist, you know? You know, whether it was that low moment when I had that little panic attack in the car driving back to Atlanta from Nashville or when, when I found out the thing about my thyroid, you know, and my mother telling me that, and then me looking at all the things that didn't feel right in my life and saying, you know what, I'm not doing that shit no more, all the way to the relationship that I was in, right? That was included. What, what do you feel wasn't healthy about the relationship? We just, I don't think we really liked each other. There was love there, uh, but there, there wasn't a lot of like there. And that was partially because and I'm gonna speak for myself because I can't speak for anybody else. I didn't even really like me. So how could I really like another human? And a part of that was him too, right? Um, and, it was, and it was me agreeing to it and me showing up for some of those things and my mistakes as well. But I just, it, it just was not a good time in my life. You know, I didn't feel comfortable being who I was in the relationship. In the moments that I was who I was, I was told that I needed to change and that I was crazy and that, you know, I, so these things were being beat down to me in my head. You know, that, that shit just isn't true. You felt small. I felt small. I felt small and I agreed to feel small, right? That wasn't just him making me feel small. He had his part in that, right? But I agreed with him to let me feel that fucking way, right? We were having, we were having an agreement. I mean, we made a whole marriage behind it, right? So, um, you know, I was just like, what the fuck am I doing? Sure, it's scary because I love this person. I want them to be well, all the shit. But look, this is just not, I don't want to be here no more. I just can't. I'm done. Yeah, that was a big thing that really needed to, to be let go of. That was a big part of my life that needed to, to die, you know? And it's and it's no, it's nothing against him. Like nothing against him. You know what I mean? Because again, I chose that shit. Right? And that was my responsibility. That was my fault. I was just done with all of it. Cause cause because it's silly. Why do things that don't make you happy? Why be in some, something with somebody who doesn't accept you for who you are? Why? That's, it's fucking stupid. So true. 
one plus one does not equal fucking four. That shit equals two, right? And even though it's hard and you, there's obligation there and there's love there and, you know, and, and you've made this fucking agreement with the government and paperwork and shit that you're going to stay with this person with sickness and health and all the other shit. You know what I mean? Even though all that happens, like, look, today's a new fucking day, man. And I'm not, I can't do it anymore. You know? So, you know, I think that was the biggest thing that I, that I had to release. So what would you say has been your biggest insecurity that you have overcome or that you're working on overcoming? One that I'm, that I wasn't enough, you know, just being okay with me. You know what I mean? I'm in a really good place with that now. But because that was a place that was really hard for me for years, right? You know, when, when you're when you're doing something consistently over and over again, it becomes a part of who you are. Um, so me being okay with me, just right here, right now, 98% of the time, I'm Gucci, right? But there's still a 2% that every now and again, some shit might creep in. So what would you say is the thing or the set of circumstances that happen um, or the kind of repetitive thoughts in your mind that create you, as my therapist would say, to kind of slip into that crack? In, in intimate relationships, because it was in an intimate relationship that I was constantly told that I needed to change, that I was crazy, that there was something wrong with my head, you know? It was in an intimate relationship that would happen. And so sometimes, sometimes I can question that. Fear creeps in with like, what, what if I'm not enough? What if I am crazy? What if, you know, it doesn't stay very long because I don't want it to. But sometimes, you know, I, I do get fearful of that. But the reality is I can't control shit anyway. Any human can go and do whatever they want at any fucking time. So it's really easy for me to, to die to it quickly. I don't want anybody to feel like they belong to me. And I don't wanna feel like I belong to anybody else because I don't. Um, I don't wanna feel like I'm trying to be controlling. I don't wanna tell this human how to live and what they should do. I don't want this human to feel repressed. I want this human to be fucking happy all day long, right? So if that means you're living your life and you're doing a thing, and, and you do something that might feel taboo to what we have going on, right? Don't feel that way because you should be in that moment. Make sure we're all protecting everybody's good, right? But you should be in that fucking moment. You should have that experience. You know what I'm saying? That's how I want to live. And that's how I want to relate. Whether it's a lover, whether it's a friend, whether it's my mom, whether it's anybody. Cause I don't want anybody trying to put controls and limits on me, but because I was in a very committed, um, not that I'm not in a committed thing now because I am right. But I was in, I was in a traditional marriage. Um, and so I was very conditioned by that. The, one of the ways that I seek to, to really design the dynamic of, of any relationship that I'm in or, the, or any future one, um, is kind of anti of that. Um, but also there's something beautiful to, to being, uh, to choosing to be monogamous, right? 
But for me, everything is a choice. Nobody has to feel burdened. Nobody has to feel like they can't. Um, nobody has to feel like any of that shit because you should enjoy yourself. You what, what what was it about yourself that you were that you were thinking was maybe like too much or crazy or that you were kind of like rejecting before this more aligned chapter? Um, was there a specific quality about yourself? How strong I am, how assertive I am. I believe that every human is woman and man because it takes a woman and a man to create us. Naturally, I can be a little masculine. You know, that, that, that definitely comes through for me, you know? You know, and sometimes I would be told like, you're not a man, you need to stop acting like a man. It's like, I'm not a man, I'm not trying to be anything, but, but that energy can show up naturally. I mean, you know, this is just where, this is just the human that I am. I can't control that shit. So being comfortable with, with the masculine side of me and the feminine side, being comfortable with my body, because I'm not a little girl, and, and being comfortable with my curves and how I feel inside my skin and you know what I mean? Being comfortable with my sexuality because I like girls and I like guys. You know, at this moment, I really love a guy, <laughs> right? Um, but that doesn't mean that at one, at another moment that I couldn't be loving a guy and a girl, right? You know, so that that part of me was was hard because I was battling that because I wanted to really please and serve the human that I was with, you know, and, and that wasn't something that they were cool with. And I get that. The only thing is, is that I'm me and this is who I am. And this is who you're with, right? And so if, if there isn't an acceptance there, then that kind of creates a, a riff and a problem, you know? Um, so being comfortable with my sexuality, being comfortable with how passionate I am about the things that I'm passionate about. And I'm very fucking passionate about my life. Saying exactly what I want to fucking say. Can you talk about when you feel the most vulnerable? I think I feel the most vulnerable in intimate relationships. I feel very vulnerable there because I haven't had like a bunch of boyfriends and girlfriends in my life, right? I've had some, but I haven't had a bunch of them because I've always been so focused on working for myself and taking care of myself. And I've always been this super, super duper independent person. So that's a muscle that I have like built since I was a kid. My strategic mind is really developed because I spent a lot of time unconsciously developing that. Me, when I'm loving someone or liking someone, that's a very vulnerable space for me because that's not a muscle. It's a muscle that I've built up Obviously, I'm, I'm 38 years old, right? Um, and I've got 38 years of experience. Um, but I just haven't spent as much time on it as I have working, working for myself, raising money, grinding. You know, I've had to sacrifice a lot intimately in order to build this thing over here. So I think I'm, I'm the most vulnerable in intimate relationships. When you do open up and you feel vulnerable, what's the fear? I think, I think sometimes the fear is receiving love. I think sometimes the fear is like, what if this human leaves, right? Um, sometimes the fear is what if this human doesn't like me the way that I like them? Um, uh, what if I'm doing too much? What if I'm giving too much? Cause I'm a, I'm a black and white person, I'm not very gray. 
right? So anything I do, which is why I only do things that I really believe in or that I'm that I really want to do, anything that I do, I, I give it a thousand percent. You know what I'm saying? I give it everything. And for some people that that can be uncomfortable. The amount of validation that I feel when I hear you say this is really intense because I've spent most of my life feeling completely alone and misunderstood for how intense I am and passionate I am and to this and to that. But I really, but I really do understand the vulnerability even when you have all of these kind of big personality traits because at the end of the day, you still need. Oh yeah, like I need love, right? I need like, I need intimacy. I need somebody to comfort me. I need somebody to fucking be strong for me. I need somebody to give me advice. I need somebody to make love to me. Like I need that shit, right? Like we all need that. And if we act like we don't, like you're playing yourself, right? I don't need a man to take care of me financially. I don't need a man or a woman to validate me. I don't need any of that, but I do need to share love and like and space and energy and, and, and connectivity and touch. I need that shit, right? Because I'm an animal and animals thrive on that. Um, nature thrives on that, in fact, right? So just like as far as the turning point, um, I guess back to the turning point of the burnout and, and leaving your ex-husband or the separation and and to now being in this place where you're so aligned um, and take such good care of yourself. Uh, can, I guess, can you share a little bit about how taking care of yourself has like manifested in your life and like what that shift has created in your in your day-to-day world? It all, for me, everything goes together. I've trained myself and I've trained the people that I work with that I, and, and it really the last eight or nine years of my professional life, I have been a, a professional traveler. I might be like, yo, I want to work in Japan this week. And I would just like fly to Japan and be there by my fucking self. I'm still doing my meetings. I'm still doing all the things that I have to do. What I learned is to just fit my life into my work. Because fuck honeypot and anything else if I'm not happy and I'm not well. That's first. If I'm not if I'm not vibrating how I need to vibrate with my health, with my mindfulness, my mindlessness, with with my travel, with my relationships, the, with the way that my that my place looks, right, smells, uh, with the plants that I keep around, if if all that isn't vibrating and moving, right, I'm not functioning well. So for me, everything has to go together. But that's the reason why. I work so hard because one day, hopefully, not hopefully, fuck that. One day I'll be able to have a very profound exit. I don't want to be the person who works so hard to be retired, to get into retirement and not have a respect for what retirement is. Cause I don't want to work my whole fucking life. You know, I want to enjoy this world. I want to see this planet. I want to do that. And, and so that's why I've, design my life the way that it is because money is not everything to me. It's, it's literally just a tool. 
for me to do the beautiful shit that I like to do. It, it's, it's just not. My happiness, though, and my well-being and my health, that is everything for me. Even if I'm living in a fucking cardboard box. So... <laughs> You know, so um, so I so I have to I really have to design my life well, which is the other reason why I can't spend time fucking around because I got I got shit to do. I got life to live. So I have to be very intentional in curating what this experience is, what this work is, what this life balance is, even though that shit doesn't exist. I have to really work hard at that. What's your favorite part of your body? My favorite part? I think my midsection. You know, I like its imperfection, you know, and because it's really, it's perfect to me. It used to be a place that, that wasn't comfortable for me, but I've gotten really comfortable with how my body looks and feels, the softness of it, you know. Um, so I would say like right here, how it just does what it wants to do. Sometimes it's bloated, sometimes it's not. Sometimes when I sit down, I don't have a role. Sometimes I do, you know, it just does what it wants, you know, and so I actually quite like that. It used to control me. I used to not appreciate my body for what, for the size that it is and for what it is when in fact, this is my fucking body. Like, even if I ate nothing, I would still be a thick girl. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, this is my body shape and I've just gotten really comfortable with it. What's your biggest fear? Uh, the fear of not knowing what's gonna happen with my business even when things are going really well, because you just don't know. Anything can happen at any moment. That can be a little fearful at times. Most of the time it's not because I can't, I can't afford to think that way, you know? It's the fear of the fear. It's the fear of the worst thing that could happen, you know? But I just like to run into it so I can just get the worst shit out the way, <laughs> you know? <laughs> So last question, why in your body, in your skin, in your journey, why is it a good place to be? Because this is the only place I am, you know, it's the only place I am. We hope you were inspired by this episode. Until next week, that's it from me, Elisa. And me, Lily. If you were touched by this story, please take a moment to share the episode with any friends or family who could benefit from understanding that they are enough as they are. And if you agree that facades separate us and being radically honest brings us together, please help spread the movement for radical self-acceptance by subscribing to, rating, and reviewing this podcast. Each month, we'll send a free copy of our book, True Style is What's Underneath, The Self-Acceptance Revolution, to one of our podcast reviewers. We can't skip ahead to a happy ending or live inside a photoshopped image or an Instagram filter. There is no finding oneself when glossing over the truth.